The message today in this series, we've decided to call No Strings Attached. Come on, we're, we're breaking free in this series. And we're going to enter into the next as evangelists that are free to share the gospel and share the word of God. We're breaking free. Last week we ended with a little bit of an assignment uh, to challenge the way that we thought and the way that we think. And, and I ended last week saying engage in the battle. This week I want to pick up. I want to challenge you today not to just engage in the battle, but to win the war. To win the war. I want to do something I haven't done in a while, and and there's not a scheduled holiday um, for this right now. There are those, but it's not today. I just want to praise God for a few people this morning. You don't have to stand up. All you got to do is wave at me. If you have served, are serving um, in the military, in any branch of the military, if you serve on a police force, police department, sheriff's department, fire department, EMS, first responders, um, doctors and nurses, I'm just going to throw you in because you help and, and you fight and you stay awake all the way through the night. If any of those apply to you, could you just, just wave at me? Just wave at me. I'm not gonna, can we just praise God for all of those people? All of our first responders, our EMS, all of those people, man, that that stay awake while I sleep. Come on, somebody. I appreciate. I appreciate you. Uh, We we do that. We have those people, men and women alike. They do that. Why? To to protect and and to serve. Why do we go to work? Why do we uh, strive and and do our best and, and... and give away our energy and our effort and our emotion just to, to try to make a living. Why? Because we want to provide security. We want to provide materials. We want to provide possessions to the people that we know and love. Like we want all of those things for all of those people. Why? Because this is, we live in America, right? We live in this nation where we expect people to win. Come on, we hire coaches and we expect them to win. We fire coaches. Why? Because we expected them to win. I'm glad Coach O started doing well in the first couple of years. Like, this brother ain't going to make it. He ain't going to make it down there. And then here he comes around, and now we're celebrating him. Why? Because we celebrate winners. We don't even celebrate sanctified. Because you can be a sanctified loser. Come on. You can hide in your holiness and not have any influence on the kingdom of God. And we've made way too much out of celebrating sanctification when people aren't even taking that sanctification and using it to inspire somebody else's salvation. That's just a church issue. We are in a place where we live and we breathe in victory. We expect our politicians, our leaders, our influencers to win. And then all of a sudden, when it comes to our purity, our morality, our integrity, oh, we just leave that to chance. Our children, oh, man, I hope they make it. Man, I hope they, didn't, I hope they don't have to do what I did to get where I am. Hope God protects them. Oh, go ahead. I just hope, oh, I hope God protects them. We just leave all those things to chance. Our, our morality, we, oh, preacher, come on, take it easy, preacher, pulpit. You, you take it easy with this morality thing. Everybody makes mistakes. Oh, this integrity thing. Oh, nobody's perfect. Come on, man, nobody's perfect. Our children, oh, they're going to make their own mistakes. They, they just got to learn their own lessons. Listen to me. I say back to the pit of hell with all of that because that's where that lie came from. That's what I say that thing needs to go. That mentality needs to go. I'm not saying that people aren't going to make mistakes. I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect. But the last time I checked, you ain't got to learn from consequence. You can walk in wisdom. Come on, somebody. The last time I checked, you ain't got to be exposed to evil to be like Jesus. You don't have to live like the world to be made holy. Come on. I, you show me in Scripture where it says that you got to live like the world to become like Jesus. Show me in Scripture where it says you got to be exposed to evil for a little while, and then God can forgive you and clean up all... What if you die when you're being exposed? What if the trump of the Lord sounds and the clouds part while you're walking down that death and destruction? What do we do then? Oh, well, shoot, that one didn't make it, did he? Oh, my Lord. 
That's a long way to fall. Glad I'm up here in my holiness. I'm sanctified, made holy. I didn't win them. I lost them. Come on, last time I checked, Jesus isn't still dead. He didn't just die to sin. Come on, he was risen in victory. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 that he's unlike any other priest. Every other priest that lived, every other priest that will live, they all, we all, we will die. Every single one of them that offered a sacrifice from Genesis, when the sacrifices actually began in the book of Exodus, all the way to when they're going to be restored, I believe probably in our lifetime, up on that hill. All those men that do those things on the mount of God, they all died because their sacrifice was temporary. It only lasted for a moment, but God Jesus intervenes, and he's unlike any priest that's ever lived before. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, says it this way. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. Why? Because he's not dead. He's able to save to the uttermost. There's not like an area of immorality that he doesn't have access to. Come on, somebody. Unless you don't give him access to it. There's not an area of impurity that he cannot sanctify and make holy. There's not an area of integrity that he doesn't have an ability to begin to reveal to us and help us walk in. He has the ability, no matter the individual or the individual's past, be it addiction, abuse, adultery, uh, arrogance, against attitude, whatever it may be. Jesus, because he is alive, has the ability to save to the uttermost. And anything less than being saved to the uttermost ain't him. Those who what? Well, just hope for the best. Man, I hope I'll make it. Boy, I hope he don't get hurt while he's out there doing that. Man, I hope nobody finds out my secret. Boy, that's going to be painful for all these people that love me. No, for those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives, since He always lives to make intercession for them. My God is not dead. Listen to me. We don't serve Jesus because He came. We don't serve Jesus because he lived. We don't serve Jesus because he served. We don't serve Jesus because he fought. We don't serve Jesus because he gave his life. We serve Jesus because he won. And in him, we too can have victory if we are engaged in the battle. We can win the war in Jesus' name. Let me show you what my Bible says about those who walk in integrity, about those who hold up morality, and about their children and their children's children. In Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13, the Bible says, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Psalm 102, 28, The children of your servants shall draw secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. Psalm 112, 1 and 2, Praise the Lord. See, we think there's something wrong with the pressure in the world. The problem is not the pressure in the world. It's the praise in the people of God. Praise the Lord, says the Bible. It's not a recommendation. It's not a if you want to, when you want to, depending on who's around or what atmosphere you're in. No, it is a command of God for the saints of God and the people in God to praise the Lord. Because blessed is the man who fears that Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Verse 2, his offspring will be mighty in the land. In other words, when you learn how to praise you learn how to position. Whenever you begin to walk in the praise that God has called you to, be you man or woman, your child begins to walk in the position that God has called them to. The answer to our issues in the United States of America is sitting on the other side of that wall and they're looking for somebody that would stand up and shout from the rooftops, blessed is the man who fears the Lord and greatly delights in the commandments because his offspring will be mighty in the land of which he dwells. The generation of the upright will be blessed. 
Isaiah 44, 3, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Proverbs 20, verse 7, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Proverbs 14, verse 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Jeremiah 32, 39, I will give them one heart and one, 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 one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children. So we don't have to learn from consequence. We can walk in wisdom. We don't have to be perfect, but we have to be in the process of being made perfect. My children do not have to learn from consequence and learn from their own mistakes. They can walk and follow the man and the woman of integrity so that they too can be blessed. Because when the spirit is poured out upon a mama and a daddy, he said, that he will also pour it out upon your children and your children's children. We can win in the name of Jesus. This isn't just a Holy Spirit-filled inspiration talk. We're not just having a pep rally today. I'm trying to convince you of who God's already said you are. Why? For the sake of the next generation that's looking at you as the example of what they will be or what they should not be. Three times... In the Song of Solomon, the Bible, in chapter 2, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 5, and chapter 8, verse 4. Three times in Song of Solomon, the Bible says, O daughters of Jerusalem. Apparently, the sons stopped listening. Apparently, God got to a place where he realized that the men were just going to begin to accept less than God's best. So he stopped talking to them. And he just started talking to the one that had real influence. Come on, ladies. I'm trying to get you to preach with me a little bit this morning. He knew that the husband or the father would just look and go, oh, they'll be okay. He knew that the husband, that the man would go, oh, it's just in the secret. Nobody knows. He knew that the man would continue to conceal and to cover and to keep in hopes that everything would just work out okay. So he says, hey, ladies, (laughs) daughters of Jerusalem. I adjure you by the gazelles and the... Look, he's even making it pretty for you. He ain't talking to guys that way. by the Because we don't call them gazelles and does. We call them dinner. Come on, somebody. <laughs> gazelles and... In other words, um, because you're not using your prefrontal cortex to make sound decisions... You're not using your God-given ability to reason and make the right choice... I'm going to ask you to look at the animals because even the animal knows what's natural and what's not. Even the animal knows that you don't put a buck with spots. Even the animal, come on, wherever we want to go with that. Because you're acting like an animal, I'm going to use the animal as the example. That's what God is saying here. And then he says, do not arouse. What an interesting word. Or awaken love. One version says do not arouse or awaken desire. Until the time is right. In other words, uh, if you're going to play boyfriend. Oh, hang on, I'm sorry. This is my personal soapbox, okay? I'm, if, if you disagree with that, that's okay. You, are, you're, you can be wrong. Uh, so it's not, <laughs> not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just, I, you know, we'll compare like later on. And see, you know, who, who had the right conviction there. If, 
If you're going to let them date or play, play boyfriend-girlfriend at 7 and 8 and 10 and 12 and 14, then, then you better start planning a wedding for graduation because it's not okay to be more upset about them getting married earlier than it is that they've been fornicating for the last three years. That's the wrong attitude. Well, they'll never make it if they don't get... No, no, no. They're never going to make it because they've already been exposed. That arouse and that awaken has already happened. So we either need to teach them purity or we need to cover them with it. Come on, somebody. What he's saying is, do not awaken, arouse that desire that God doesn't have for you. So what he's, he's saying, stop looking at that image. Stop, stop clicking on that profile. Oh, I done gone there. Stop following that person on Instagram. Stop sending that text. Don't, don't put that message and, and, and hit enter on it. Don't, don't return that flirtatious encouragement. Don't return that cutting of the eyes. Come on, wherever we are, job site or internet, the enemy doesn't discriminate. He's just looking to steal, kill, and destroy like a bad shepherd. He doesn't care how old you are or where you are in life. He just wants to dangle a carrot in front of you and get you to fixate on the carrot instead of fixating on the cross. Why? Because he knows that if he can distract you, he can destroy you. Let me show you a video. You know, this, uh, Peter told Jesus... He would never. He said, I will never. Jesus told him, Peter, you're going to do this. And Peter said, I will never. I will, I will fight. I will, I will kill somebody before I, before I do this. And then the one thing that Peter said, I will never. I will never do. He, he did it. Okay. Um, and so that's this idea that we're above the idea that we're above some temptation or that we're above accountability or above boundaries. There's a movie. Um, that actually showed this. We want to show it to you this morning. It has to do with those and gazelles as well. Go ahead. Let's watch that real quick. So, when we, when we come into this life, we, we have this choice, right? We're, we're still broken people. Like, we're, we're fallen. Um, we live in a fallen world as fallen people. And so, so we have this choice um, to, give, to give half of our heart to God and make Him our first um, until He shows us whom else He may have for us. Um, or... We can do what I did and what, what most of us do, and we can begin, we hold on to half of it, uh, but we take the already semi-broken part, and, and this is what we do when we first see something that we shouldn't have seen, and we're enticed by it, right? And we're, we're Twitter-pated Twitter by this image that, that we shouldn't have seen, and it wasn't a sin to see it, but now we're looking at it, 
And, and it, it begins to take a piece of our heart. And then, because we're, we become absorbed in that, like we realize, man, I've got these desires. I've got this stirring. And so we jump into like a relationship at whatever age. And, and we begin to, oh, do things when nobody's looking. And we begin to, to begin to have emotions and feelings. And we begin to give those emotions and those feelings away in a physical form. And chemicals begin to be released throughout our system. And then all of a sudden, you know, with that, that person ended up not working out so we go to another person and we go to another person and we're looking for another person and none of those people so then we try this and we try that and then we come at the end of this road and we get into our 20s maybe 30s possibly 40s and we've got all of these relationships and all of these ideas and all of these temptations and all of these longings and we come up to the person that maybe God has for us and we're like hey here, have my heart. And now I've just asked her to help put my broken heart back together because I've been giving it away to the wrong places, to the wrong things, outside of God's will and outside of God's plan. And so as I started out broken, I started trying to use broken things to fix broken. And I became even more broken. David... 920-something verses about King David. Anointed as a young man, the least of all the brothers. Anointed king as a shepherd. Had to serve a king, although he was anointed as king. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. We know that Jesus Christ came from the line of David. And yet we have three verses by which we really remember David. Probably the most sermons that are preached about David revolve around these three verses in 2 Samuel chapter 11. A man of God, a warrior of God, formerly a winner. But the Bible says in the spring, at the time when kings were supposed to go off to war, David sent somebody else to do what God had anointed him to do. He sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David was not where he was supposed to be. So the Bible says in verse 2, because David wasn't where he was supposed to be, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful because David wasn't where he was supposed to be. David saw something he was not supposed to see. And the Bible says, and David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said that she is bathing in front of you because her husband's gone. I'm sorry, that's not what it says. She's, uh, she's, she's flirting with you because she's lonely. Because her husband hasn't been fulfilling her needs the way that she just knows he's supposed to. Um, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, we don't know why Bathsheba did what she did. But it's just probable in my mind that uh, she wasn't surprised by the fact that the king's balcony happened to overlook her bathtub. Because her husband was gone. And he hadn't been doing what he was supposed to. He wasn't fixing her brokenness. He wasn't even around. He just left her while he went off to fight. The Bible says that David did something he wasn't supposed to do. And ultimately many people paid for something that they weren't supposed to lose. Why? It wasn't because of what David did. It was because of what led him to do that. See, David, at one time, he was just a shepherd boy in a field, doing what his daddy and his God had instructed him to do. And in the midst of protecting the sheep as a shepherd, pastoring those sheep, the Bible says that a lion came and David killed the lion. Then the Bible says that a bear came and David killed the bear. And then all of a sudden, the entire nation of Israel went out to war and there was a giant named Goliath. 
And David went and he got frustrated because he knew who his God was and he knew who he was in his God. So he went down in front of the giant and he said that you come at me. He even said it all Pentecostal like that. He began, he was waving his hanky, no, his sling, and it had a stone in it. And he said, you come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you, yeah, in the name above every, no, he didn't do all that, but he said, I come at you in the name of the Lord, and he, he let go of his hanky, I mean sling, and a rock flew, and, and his praise killed a giant, and the giant fell in front of the whole nation, and he began to serve the king, and he began to lead the army, he was a warrior, he was victorious, and then the women of Jerusalem started singing his songs David slayed ten thousands Saul just slayed a thousand but David slayed ten thousands and David began to believe the songs that were sung about him David became arrogant David forgot that he was just a shepherd boy in a field that nobody else remembered until God anointed him to be king See, David thought that he was winning. He thought that he deserved his position because of how he served. So David became arrogant and David became entitled. I don't know if y'all ever struggled with arrogance or entitlement, but it was an issue for me. Uh, And into my 20s, into my marriage and all our brokenness and all the mess that I brought in. After about three years, three and a half years of marriage, um, I, I just asked God to perform a miracle. I was like, God, just take all this away. God, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like this. I don't want to lust. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be a man um, who, who, who succumbs to temptation. I, I want to be a man of utmost integrity. God, just, just give me everything that I need and take away everything that I don't. Like, remove this desire. And I fasted and I prayed and I, and I begged God. And, and God, you guys, listen, God performed a miracle in my life at 27 years old. Since 27 years old, man, I haven't had a lustful thought. I haven't had a temptation desire for anything or anyone that wasn't my bride or my babies and listen to me if you believe that then I've got some umbrella insurance and some beachfront property at Lakeview RV Park in Mamu I really want to sell you right after this service I want to sell you some stuff I don't even own it but I'll take your money come on no God didn't take that desire away the truth is, I can't, I can't afford to become like David. I can't afford to be arrogant and entitled. God, I serve you. I can't believe you're doing this to me. I don't want to feel this way. Don't you hear me? Why won't you answer? I don't deserve this. I deserve. I, you owe me, was the mentality of David. And when you believe that you're entitled to something, then you'll begin to take anything. I can't afford to be arrogant and entitled. I have to be humble. And I have to be honest. I have to be truthful. I have to invite people along in my journey. I have to tell my wife who I was and who I'm not. I've got to be open and honest with men in my life that love me but are not impressed by me. And I've got to be able to tell some people who Chris really is outside of this pulpit because I've got to remain humble. I've got to remain open. And I've got to remain honest. Why? Because the enemy remembers who I was before I met Jesus. And he will do whatever he can He will take however long he has to to try to knock me off of the path that God has already promised. He will do whatever. So I have to share my secrets. Ladies, we need your help. We need you to engage in this battle with us. We can't win this war without you. We've got to be able to share what we're carrying. Guys, she's got to be able to share what she's carrying. 
We've got to be able and willing to help one another no matter how bad it hurts. We've got to be willing to carry the cross together. Why? Because that's the only way that we're going to make it to Calvary and into the kingdom. Listen, it's not, it, that person that came to you and shared their secret, that whether it's your spouse, your loved one, your friend, or whomever it was, the person that came to you, they're not twisted and demented and, and they're not dirty. They're just wounded. They're just a wounded individual that needs some help and, and, and has been fighting and debating whether they even wanted to. That 12-year-old that opens up to that mama or that daddy or that grandmother and tells them what he finally tells them what he's been struggling with for the past three, four, maybe five, six, seven years. That teenager, that 20 year old, that 70 year old that finally comes clean. We've got to win this war together. Broken and hurting people can't help somebody else. You've got to lean into Jesus so they can lean on you. Come on. You've got to cover yourself up you got to stop looking and, and flirting and, and, and hoping to have some emotional gratification just because somebody else isn't fulfilling what they are so supposed to be fulfilling. Whether in the workplace or on the internet, the enemy doesn't care where you get it from. As long as you don't get it from Jesus, he's content. As long as you don't become the warrior, the son and the daughter that God has already anointed you to be, then the enemy will do whatever and he'll use whomever he can. So we got to win this war. Not by hiding and cowering and hoping for the best. We need to help one another. We need to share the weight. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 32 that David was distraught. I want you to notice the difference in these two scriptures. The Bible says, when I refused, David said, to confess my sin. What was his sin? He took another man's wife into the confines of his palace. And whether he forced her or whether it was consensual is not, is not revealed in scripture. But he took her in and they had intimate relationships in that room. Her husband came back from battle and he wouldn't even lay with her. She became pregnant from David. They tried to hide it, tried to cover. David put her husband on the front line, pulled the army back, essentially murdering her husband. And then he covered it up and he lied about it. He is carrying the weight of adultery, of pregnancy, of murder, and of lying. And the Bible says in Psalm 32 verse 3, when I refused to confess my sin, my body was wasting away. David was dying on the inside. He said, I groaned all day long, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Why? Because God didn't lead him there to leave him there. He loved David enough not to let him stay that sick. Your hand was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But notice the difference. Psalm 32 verse 5. Finally. Finally. I confessed. Finally, I told somebody. I shared my secret. I confessed my sins to you. And I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And the Bible says, and the Lord forgave me. All my guilt was gone. Hear the difference between attempting to cover up his sin on earth, his desires, his temptations, his meditations, the things that he had conceived and were incubating inside of him. He decided to take God at his word. And instead of carrying it into eternity, he decided to confess it on earth. No matter the cost, I got to come clean. I can't, I, can't care. I can't carry this anymore. See, that's the only miracle that happened at 27 years old. 
is that I came to her and I said, I know who you think I am. But this is who I really am. All of this mess. This is who you married. This is who you covenanted to. And when that happened, she began to carry that weight with me. And it wasn't easy. It was because of some people in our lives and the spirit in our hearts that we began. I didn't commit adultery the way that you think I am. But the last time that I checked, Jesus said, if you even look. Why? Because that's the standard that he has for you. You may not be perfect, but you're being made perfect unless you're not. He who hides sin in his heart, the Bible says, shall not prosper. David was stuck until he shared. And God forgave him. God began to work on him. God began to perform a miracle. So I say to you, no longer, no, no matter how long you've, you've been trapped, no, no matter how long you've been stuck, no matter how long you've been hiding, no matter what your secret is, how dark it is, I'm telling you, in Christ, you can win this war. You will either win the war or you will hand down the destruction. Who will you become and what will you be? will be dependent upon who you are in Him. And who you are in Him, unfortunately, is often directly related to how open you are and how humble you are. Don't make excuses. Don't justify it. Well, everybody makes mistakes. Don't surrender to your lust. You saw something. Don't be okay with looking at things that God doesn't have for you. Instead, number one, confess to God. Confess to God. To God. Why? Because he's the one that paid for your sin. No person paid for your sin. There's not a line of people ready to sacrifice their son for your sin. But God did it. So he's the only one that can forgive your sin. Confess your sin to God because he's faithful and just to forgive. But then you got to confess to the right people. This is number two. This is the hardest one. Because you're about to dump everything you've been carrying on the people that you care about the most. And now they're going to have to carry it. And you need to give them even more time than you gave yourself to be able to process, to be able to deal with it. Listen, don't leave. Don't give up. Don't quit. Because the Bible says that when you confess one to another and you begin to pray, you can actually begin to experience the healing that has already been paid for. Well, who do I confess to? Well, (laughs) I confess to anybody. Like I was like, look, I was ready to do whatever it took not to be who I'd been. But I told the people that I knew it was going to hurt the most. My accountability, hear me, is not people that will sin with me and make me feel better about it. My accountability are the people that will cost me the most if I don't quit doing what I've been doing. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, I'm just an adulterer saved by marriage. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. No, you're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. And God will make you choose, just like he did to David. But when you choose, when you choose to confess to God and confess to the right people, you can start the process of truly finding freedom in Jesus' name. Number three, remove the triggers. In other words... Stop going to the same place and doing the same thing and expecting different results. That's insanity. If you struggle with something in a certain place, 
then don't go there. Or don't take the something that you're struggling with. If you're struggling with someone, you know what we had to do? Hang out in her mama's living room and go home when her mama went to bed. We, I wouldn't have made it. Well, I didn't make it. Oh, often. My wife has every passcode to everything that I own. My staff knows anything and everything that they want to know. Why? Because if you deleted it in your history, you're guilty. You can't cover it up. It will expose you. I can't download an app without my wife getting a notification. People have access to my Instagram that I don't even have the app for on my phone. That's why it's so like inactive and active and I ain't even got Snapchat. That's just stupid to me. I ain't even going there. Like, I don't need to send no pictures that are automatically deleted. It's just, I don't need it. <laughs> I know some people have it, and they're just fine with it. And I'm not saying that that thing is sin, but what you do with it is. You can do the same thing with Facebook and Instagram. So, we were married a couple of years, had children. And I got a message on Facebook one time from somebody, from some girl in college that obviously wasn't happy where God had led her. She thought that I was the answer to her her issues. She sent me a message. I, read, I, was, I, opened, I was like, I don't even know why I opened it. Megan should have slapped me for opening it. But I opened it, I read it, and I was like, Megan! <laughs> so, Jesse, Duplantis, Jesse Duplantis tells a story. He was at the mall one time, and his wife went in a shop. He was standing outside, and this little heifer, I mean lady, came up to him. I didn't say that in any other service. <laughs> this this obviously broken, wounded woman came up to him thinking he was the answer. So stupid about it is she don't know that if he was with her, he's not even going to be who she thinks he is. He loses everything. And she began to bat her eyelashes. And apparently she said something Jesse Duplantis didn't like. And he looked back at her, back at her and he said, Jezebel! <laughs> this is his story. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard him tell it. He said she took off running down the mall. His wife came out. He's like, Jezebel. It's a Jezebel. She was, I didn't do, Kathy, it wasn't me. It wasn't me, Kathy. It wasn't me. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, I don't listen to him all the time because we don't share the same doctrine a lot often. But that funny, that story's funny. Why? Because be sure and know that your sin will find you out unless you call it out. But when you call it out, it can't stay. You got to remove the trigger. Don't sweep it under the rug. Why? Because your kid's going to trip over it. Because what you don't handle, you hand down. Deal with it now. You gotta earn, you gotta add discipline to divinity and truly in order to truly walk in destiny. Somebody needs to write that down. If you want to walk in the destiny that God has for you, then you've got to add discipline to divinity. Because God is only gonna do for you what you're not able to do for yourself. But discipleship starts with discipline. And when you add discipline to divinity, you begin to walk in divine destiny. It is when you do your part that he does what only he can do. Remove the trigger. Number four, get the necessary help. Guys, listen, I'm, I got to do this quick. I'm just letting you know. Yep, it's official. There's more of you than there is of me. I can't, I can't, my staff can't. I can't counsel all y'all. I'm sorry. I'm trying to tell people when they want to meet. I'm like, look, I'll meet with you. I will. And then they come in and I give them another disclaimer. I'm like, look, I want to need you to understand. I ain't got a certificate in this. I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor. Like, I love you. I've learned how to teach, but I'm really more like, probably if I fall in anything, it's like that prophetic, like, I just speak to it kind of a thing. I'm about to say a lot of stuff you didn't want to hear. No, I'm letting you know ahead of time. You're going to get mad at me before you leave this place. I'm, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to like me anymore by the time you leave. Are you sure you want to meet? Yeah, Pastor. Yeah, Preacher, I want to meet. I want to hear what you have to say. Then I say it. They get mad. <laughs> hey, Leaf. I told you. I, to I told you. That's not. <sighs> Is your marriage not worth investing $75 for an hour session with somebody that knows what they're doing? <laughs> I can't afford that. No, you won't afford it. I went to counseling before. It's not working. It didn't work. No, you're not working. 
Come on, look, the last time I checked, the counselor's still in business. Where are you at? You got to be willing to invest in yourself. I'm not saying I won't meet with you. That's just your, that's, I just gave a public disclaimer. It's not my gift. <laughs> we can fix it though. Come on, let's talk. But Pastor David Baudouin at Life Counseling in Lafayette, he's not just going to take your money. You're going to take his time. And I can promise you his time is worth way more than your money. He will sit with you. He will meet with you as many times as you're willing to come. Our counselors down here at Harmony House, they're, just going to take, they're not just going to take your money. They'll give you their time. You've got to seek some help. Get some necessary help. If you could have done it alone, you'd have already done it. Come on. You've got to ask somebody. You have not because you ask not. Get some help. We can't help all we can't help everybody. Want to. Got conferences. People meet me after service. Pastor, will you pray for me? Did you come up for prayer? No, I didn't want to go up there. It's... Sure, I'll pray for you. Lord. I pray you give them enough sense next week. Come on up for prayer. That's a third service only kind of stuff. I'm just trying to make sure y'all still here. Get the necessary help. Go to rehab if you have to. Come on. Don't stay stuck. Do whatever it takes, Zacchaeus. Go out and sell everything you got to sell. Pay it back fourfold. Do whatever it takes. Why? Because number five, you're here to let God heal you. And God will heal you. Jesus is alive. That means you can be too. Problem is everybody wants to be resurrected. Nobody wants to be crucified. Come on, everybody wants to be healed. Nobody wants to be broken. And you've got to be broken to be made beautiful. That's just the way that this thing works. But when you are, watch this. When you are, you go into the tomb like Jesus went into the tomb. And you begin to incubate the right things and die to the wrong things. And God does something supernatural where he begins to cover up the junk. And he begins to wash away the sin. And all of a sudden, you come out and you're... You're made whole again. Your heart's in the right place. And then you're able to do this. God, I want you to have this biggest half because you're my first and we'll never make it if you're not first and you're not only. So now, God, I, I thank you because you forgave me. I can come back over to the right people, whether they be friends, family members, or a spouse. And I actually have something to offer. Why? Because of what you offered me. Let God heal your wound. You know why the enemy's attacking you? Because he knows what's in you. He's not attacking you because you're weak. He's attacking you because you're a warrior. He is attacking you because he knows that if you get saved and set free, then you're going to win more families. And hell is going to have a problem whenever you get delivered, whenever you add discipline. We're not going to be able to build a building big enough to hold all the ministry that you're going to be doing so the enemy is coming against you but I want to remind you today that Jesus said fear not for I have overcome the world greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world my weapons are not carnal they're divine in nature they're able to tear down strongholds and in Christ Jesus I am more than a conqueror there is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper as long as I remain in him it's who he is you aren't a warrior because you always win you're a warrior because you always fight you're not a warrior because you're always operating in victory put that up on the screen because you're always winning no you're a warrior because you refuse to die. You refuse to stay in the grave. You refuse to just surrender to your lust. You refuse to just succumb to that temptation. You don't just hand your children over to the world and hope for the best. You don't just put your morality and your integrity to chance. No, you build bridges of accountability with whomever, wherever, as often as you need to. You build 
boundaries that you're unwilling to cross. And you've got so much oversight that if you took a step on a brick of the wall that you built, then somebody would shoot you with a holy arrow to keep you on the right side. Why? Because you'd rather be wounded on the right side than wrong and healthy on the other side. You're a warrior. Win the war because he's already won. And you're able to overcome. Why? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Remember your sling, David. (laughs) Remember your anointing. The kingdom is at hand. Repent. Be humble. Be honest. Be better. Together, win the war. Would you bow your head, close your eyes with me. Father, thank you for these people's time. God, thank you for this word. I thank you that it does not return unto you void. For every person in this room right now that needs to receive Jesus' forgiveness for the first time or the first time in a long time. Maybe you've been carrying the weight of something you don't want to carry any longer. The Bible says when you confess to God, he's faithful to forgive. And David said, when he forgave me, my guilt was gone. He wants to do the same thing for you that he did for David. He forgave an abuser, an adulterer, a liar, a murderer. Come on, he can forgive us. He can't do anything with our arrogance. But when we humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. He can work with that. If you're in the room right now with every head bowed and every eye closed and you need to receive salvation, I want to invite you just to lift your hand right where you're sitting. Nobody looking around. I see you, I see you, I see you. Praise God. Maybe you want to renew your relationship with Jesus this morning. Just lift your hand and say, hey, that's me, that's me, that's me. Maybe you consider yourself a follower of Jesus today, but you know that You've got a secret that you need to share and you need to ask God for the strength to share it. You want to be right with God and right with people. Maybe you have something in your life that you know you need to get rid of, something you need to delete or throw away or clean up. If that's you, just begin to be honest with God right where you are. Remove that trigger. Be accountable. Build some boundaries. Have the conversations that you're supposed to have. Let God heal you. Father, I pray your healing would begin to enter into this room right now. As we're open and honest, I pray as we're obedient, God, I pray that you would restore the anointing that you have for us. Come on, church, I want to ask you to pray this prayer out loud with me this morning. Let's say this together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short for the things I've done, the things I haven't done. The things that you've called me to do that I ignored when I've been disobedient. Cleanse me. Save me. Give me the strength to be humble, to be open, to be honest. May I follow you with all of my heart. Confess you as Lord. Confess my sin to you and the right people so I can be free and stay that way. God, take my life, make it yours in Jesus' name.